0: I've never, I've never had a student or a parent, even when I was teaching in Arkansas and parents in Arkansas knew that I was very, that I was a Democrat and, and that I voted for, for progressive uh, candidates then and very conservative student. I I still have close relationships with conservative students and, and parents and, and no one, I don't know, no one ever thought that I was like incapable of grading fairly. (laughs)
1: Welcome back to professional development. Uh, My name is Marcus Luther, and I teach high school English in Kaiser, Oregon.
0: And my name is Jim Mayers. I teach 11th grade English in Boston, Massachusetts.
1: So we've got both sides of the country covered. Uh, And so the other day, uh, Jim and I were brainstorming potential conversations, and we came across uh, what surprised us, I think, uh, a pretty stark disagreement in our approaches in the classroom And we decided to dive in the following conversation uh, builds around the question of how to create a space in the classroom for students to engage professionally and respectfully with different perspectives, a value we not only both share, but also prioritize Mm -hmm. and what the teacher's role looks like in that space. So that's what this conversation is built around in our different approaches, why we approach it that way. And kind of how we reconciled those differences in the discussion. So without further ado, uh, let's dive into that conversation. Um, Okay, so what's the question? Uh, The question I think that we arrived at was how do you, in facilitating conversations with your students and creating your classroom space, uh, as a teacher and wanting to be transparent, should should you be transparent about your political beliefs and positions with your students? Yeah. I think that's where that's where we found ourselves and I think it's worth talking about uh, totally. as educators.
0: I think I mean I kind of I kind of hesitate at the word should like yeah. I I do um because that's sort of where I've arrived at and and I think you know the idea of like am I pro, am I project I was comfortable as a student and I had sort of teachers and professors who were pretty open about their politics, liberal, Democrat, conservative, Republican, mm-hmm. et cetera. Uh, or yeah. Um yeah, I mean, I did have that experience. And you don't want to be projecting your own self as a student because it's not going to be onto your students as a teacher, because it's not going to be a one-to-one match. But for yeah, for me, this is like an arrived position. And it like one of the major values that I operate with and I think comes from my teaching is just sort of authenticity. And so yeah. trust is trust is really important. It's like, it's the foundation, I think, of pretty much everything that I do. Like students need to trust that my feedback is accurate. Students need to trust that I've read their papers and know what I'm talking about. They need to trust that I have their best interests at heart. They need to trust that I'm gonna go back to them for them or whatever the case may be. And so, yeah, I, you know, I started from a position of like, I think I don't want to use the power dynamic as the teacher to influence what my students think, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I was, it just became like very obvious. Yeah. It just became very obvious. And, and like, I didn't really see the point in like saying no, I'm not going to tell you what my pol- what my politics are because they obviously they you know they obviously know, <laughs> and also I'm pretty yeah I've always just been explicit with them. The second the second that a student would ever the second that a student comes to me and says I think you graded me unfairly because I made a conservative argument, I would absolutely ha- I would stop. I would sit down. I would I would take them seriously I would say okay tell me why you think this blah 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 like I've never I've never had a student or a parent even when I was teaching in Arkansas and parents in Arkansas knew that I was very that I was a Democrat and and that I voted for for progressive um, candidates then and very conservative student I, I still have close relationships with conservative students and and parents and and no one, I don't know, no one ever thought that I was, like, incapable of grading fairly. And I think, you know, we were talking about this a little bit earlier. It, it also has to do with text selection. Like, yeah, I'm, I know how to pull in an, a variety of different perspectives and, like, use exemplar texts that make conservative arguments that I personally disagree with. And that is a simple thing to do and I can still teach a kid how to write a great argument using a conservative essay and my politics don't really matter when we're doing that and the kids completely trust that my politics aren't informing my grading or even informing what they think because they see that I'm putting in front of them a variety of, of different sort of political perspectives so for me it's just it's just eventually it got to a point where i was like yeah okay you want to know my politics sure i'll tell you but they don't care they don't really care that much
1: yeah well and i think just especially since we just started recording like the norm that we arrive at both i think are the same norm as like our job as a teacher is to support students as english teachers uh becoming more confident and capable in expressing their opinions it's not to tell them what to think but to help them get better at developing their ideas and expressing them and also simultaneously for all our students to engage them with a variety of perspectives. And like, Mm -hmm. that's makes them better, makes us better as teachers. I mean, we both would espouse, espouse that like we are better off having heard the so many different stories and ideas from our students over these years. And like that, like we are better in a world where people are sharing diverse perspectives in a respectful way and listening and engaging with those. So the question is how to get there. I think, i still come back from twofold uh number one is like being quite aware that in our current moment political identity has taken way more power in society used to i think the study like the one that went out recently was that it used to be like a generation ago two generations ago parents said like they were okay with their kid marrying someone of another party but they weren't okay with all these other things, when it came to different race, you know, know, in terms of the LGBTQ uh, development and progress in our society around that, like we obviously have come a long way since then uh, all those things we've gotten more tolerant or parents became more tolerant with their kids, but there was one that went the opposite direction. It was that people are way less tolerant of their kid marrying someone of a different political party. There's also, I believe, uh, recent things showing that just people in terms of ranking their identities, their political identity has become more important. So to, to, to throw that label, Democrat, Republican, conservative, liberal, it has more power to disrupt and distract from the classroom, especially early on uh, when before you've built your classroom community and established your norms. So on my end, I combine that with the fact that I really do think a lot about that power dynamic and i'm pretty transparent about that power dynamic with students and saying like look i know as a teacher i have like a position of power uh with grades with you know tech selection and being transparent about that power dynamic and aware of the toxicity of our political tribalism right now i for me that's a line i don't feel comfortable crossing uh I still feel very much about establishing our values as a classroom. I still feel like I want to be honest with students and engage with them authentically. I just think in my perspective, and I know we disagree on this, and that's why we're having this conversation, that that is a line that I'm not comfortable crossing uh, with my students in across like, in terms of like, the actual labels of like, this is how I voted, this yeah. is how I identify politically. Those are things I don't touch in my classroom.
0: I think, yeah, I mean... I don't think I don't I don't know that there's a right answer like I I think that I think people sort of automatically assume that like um uh, the responsible thing to do is not to share your politics and that it's like some people have said like oh it's really irresponsible of you to tell your students how you vote and I'm just like I don't know. I I mean, I don't think they care all that much. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I under, I certainly understand, I certainly understand that there is a power dynamic, right? And so like, if you, you know, I, obviously, one of the reasons people go into teaching is because of the impact that you have on students. And so I don't, mm-hmm. I don't take it for granted that like, yes, if a student, it, it may influence if they say, oh, well, Maris told us he thinks this, this and that, like, maybe I should think this way that maybe that is happening but I there to me it's not a question to me it's not one right answer because I think classrooms ultimately before and I'll talk a little bit about the identity stuff because I think you're absolutely right but the classroom is a relational space okay like teach- teaching and learning, i think the major a major thing that we learned from covid and and zoom school and the pandemic, right like remote instruction doesn't work <laughs> and, and the reason it doesn't work is because it's 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 exponentially harder to build relationships and have good relationships, and so can like, I
1: qualify that that doesn't work nearly
0: as well nearly as well right. I, I think I, it, we can do some things yeah it can we, work, but right. it's not
1: near it's not the ideal would
0: I be think my qualification yes. okay yes, I appreciate that, yeah, totally. So sometimes I speak in like uh really ultimate statements. I should probably not do that as much. You're you're fine. I I will be your <laughs> ultimate qualifier. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. If if cuz I think both you and I really value like this idea of relationships and that yes. is incredibly important and and I and I think you really just can't get around that. Then the decision about whether or not to share your politics is is like a pretty nuanced one. And like one that I think I'm not, I don't come out, I don't advertise it. Right. I don't advertise. I don't say, by the way, everyone, I vote for Democrats or "I, I voted for this and that candidate. Like if, but I, I've just sort of arrived at the place where If it comes up in a class discussion and a student asks me directly, what do you think about X, Y policy? What do you think about X, Y candidate? I'm going to say, I'm going to vote for this candidate and here's why and blah, blah, blah. And I have found that those conversations are a really rare and, and, and I almost, and, and this kind of goes back to your, your issue, your, the issue you raised earlier of like, are you projecting your own self on mm. onto students your your own sort of student self onto onto your class in a certain sense yeah i do wish that people sort of had more honest conversations with me in a sort of a safe mm. academic conversation about about politics because you know it's an it's an important time to form i want more high school kid high school age kids to take seriously their world view. Because I feel like kids that age put off the legitimacy of their own voice and their own worldview and their own agency. And that to me is sad because young people have a lot of power and they, it, it just, it's such a shame. It's such a shame to, to think that your voice and your worldview at age 17 or 18 or 19 or whatever isn't isn't relevant because it's not complete or you haven't Mm. read you know the communist manifesto and ayn rand back to back you know what i mean like that isn't you know that's not convincing to me and so i yeah i want i part of me does want to model like yeah, if you want to have an honest conversation about how someone about what my political or what my politics are and how I've arrived at these at these places, like come into my room at lunch and ask me some specific questions and I'll tell you how I got from voting for John McCain in 2008 to Joe Biden in 2016. Like I'll I'll talk you through that process. 2020. <laughs> I still think it's 2016. Yeah. Oof. Oh boy, 2020. <sighs> Yeah, I don't know. So then Sleepy Jimmy, Sleepy Jim. That's right. Yeah. But I think I think I think the notion stands true. And it is a complex question. You know, what is the power that that because teachers do set examples for their kids? Yeah. And and it's set in it. Absolutely. I'm I'm fully conscious of the fact that it leaves an impression. And
1: well, let's, let's let's. I think that's where I guess the pivot from here, that I think is incredibly relevant, is this idea that I think you and I are both in the norm. Like this isn't something that happens a lot. This isn't something that you're not like walking to the classroom like every day, saying, "Here's how I how I believe, and here's how I vote on every issue, and here's how you should yeah. vote too." That's that's not happening. It doesn't happen. It, it it is a rare exception. But I think there is a lack of trust and awareness of. I think people are hearing. And getting this image of oh, mm-hmm. schools are we're we're sending our students to school and they're being told to believe X, Y, and Z, that they should be X, Y, and Z. Right. I think that is a, a fear that a sizable group of parents and guardians, and maybe students themselves feel, at least reading the reports around the country right now. And I mean the indoctrination word gets tossed around. Uh, I oh, think yeah, moral of, panic. Yeah, n- neither of us does that relate to our experiences teaching in different schools going to school in different schools. But I mean, what do we do with that? If that's the viewpoint that a lot of people have of education right now, both of us, our experiences say does not relate to them in terms of it. It does not connect with what's actually happening. And that the thing I've heard as a teacher a thousand times more is that it's your job. And I agree with this to be incredibly respectful of all viewpoints in terms of politics and your classroom is a space for education and teaching your standards and it is your job to never impress your views upon a student. I I agree with that. Like I think that is what being a professional is as an educator. That's what I hear every year all the time. And I should hear that. And, but there's a group, I think a lot of people don't believe that's what's being said in schools. I think there's a lot of people who don't trust that that's what teachers are holding themselves accountable to that professionalism. So what do we do with that lack of trust? Uh, just like being honest and talking about it right now
0: right so let me can i want to just address one quick thing uh, yeah go for because i I think yeah the lack of trust issue and like the parents getting up and and ranting about whatever political Mm -hmm. hot button word at the school board meeting you know i see those videos a lot but i do think that there's a separate question i i don't know that it's, I don't encourage all political viewpoints. Okay. Um, if you, I, th- I think we're at an interesting, uh, I think we're at an interesting sort of cultural moment where we are asking ourselves like, bigotry and racism are not legitimate viewpoints. And, and I, I was
1: not referring, I was not in sure. Saying that those I, should I, be I
0: yeah, no, I I don't think you are. But I would say, you know, I do think, for example, right, like, a lot of a lot of people in the United States, for example, would, would sort of reasonably hold the position that like, well, it's a free country, and I get to have whatever my politics are. And so I'm going to hold really homophobic positions right like i'm i'm going to say that same-sex marriage is is an abomination i'm going to be completely you know on board and raise a bunch of money for these anti-trans bathroom bills and all that kind of stuff i think that we i you know like i think that there genuinely are political i think there are there are viewpoints and sort of cultural moments uh, sort of cultural movements, anti-Semitism. I think there's a there's an act there's a small but actual, um, very sort of real and tangible rise in anti-Semitism, bigotry, white supremacist, yeah. anti-democratic. The people the people who the the people who attacked the Capitol on January sixth, like that is a treasonous faction of anti-American people and and though those are not political viewpoints those are not to me they're not legitimate democratic viewpoints and so no there are certain things that i'm going to draw the line and say unless you are in like unless you are in an advanced american political theory class like junior senior year in college there are actually some things that can do more harm than good because if you're in high school and you're trying to have that debate and you are you are questioning your gender identity or or what have you like we it's harmful it's harmful and it can it does do more harm than good and so i think i do think teachers have to have a really uh draw a conscious line especially if you're teaching a content like the humanities or english or yeah. social studies where this kind of stuff does come up you need to be ready and i think you need to have a very clear line as a teacher around what what diversity of perspectives mean and yeah. honestly where that line does end because if if you want to sit if you want to come in and have a conversation with me about like free market economics and you know how a libertarian economic conservative policy or whatever is the way to go then yeah have at it you know get up to the whiteboard and go but if you're going to come and 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 start talking about the importance of the confederate flag and why it symbolizes heritage and not hate yeah no that's not a political viewpoint that's going to that's not a political viewpoint first of all Mm -hmm. and no it's not going to be entertained end of ad
1: yeah so i to nuance it uh to agree with some and then to push back a little bit respectfully uh, as we're modeling the values we want for our classroom uh so i I think first and foremost our job as teachers is to create a safe classroom space that our students feel they can walk into and not be denigrated not be attacked And i think they're like some of the things you said uh in terms of you know certain positions that would attack someone's identity or would make their identity feel as if it was you know even questioned like that those are no-go's and those would i think on top when I said that different political viewpoints, I'd say you know, like political identities, maybe in a way like, like, yeah, that are your, cause it is an identity. Is identity.
0: It is I an identity. Yeah. In terms of,
1: yeah. Political identity. Uh, I, I wouldn't, there are conversations you wouldn't allow conversations. You would, you would address them and shut them down in a way that you would make sure you protect your students uh, in terms of making sure if, it, if there were conversations that were denigrating the value of students in that classroom or making uh them feel attacked like that like that's a non-negotiable in terms of crossing the line uh i think what when you added in some things though, i don't i feel like in a way you kind of merge two different things like when you brought up the ideas like kind of like i would say bigotry against the lgbtq community like i 100 agree like there's no place for that in our classrooms uh i would say that when you bring up things that are political in uh in terms of the attack on January 6th and the Confederate flag is a s- symbolism is nuanced. I-, I agree with the fact that does not uh, align with history's facts. A lot of the time, the things people are saying, I-, I don't think those conversations happen in our classroom very often. Also, I would add for this, but uh, right. I-, I think there's a, I don't, I hate slippery slope. I think there's a expansion where you go from the first part you were saying with the idea of bigotry, And things that I 100% concur to have no base, like, belong in our classroom. And there's a, when it's positions that you agree with, it's really easy to say, like, well, let's just add to the list of, like, this, 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 and this, and make it seem like, oh, this isn't political, because I'm right, you know? And I think you and I agree and align on pretty much almost all the things we're talking about. But I think it's really important in my mind to have the humility to think about if a student walked into my classroom and they believe differently on a certain issue, and that's part of their identity in terms of their political identity, I want to make sure that that student feels, not that they're going to like stand on their desk, like no yeah. student's going to stand on their desk, right? We're not going to have a, what's the movie? <laughs> Why am I forgetting the movie name?
0: Oh, uh, it's, uh no, it's the Robin Williams movie yeah Dead poet, society. Dead poet
1: society yeah we're, we're not yeah. getting on desks, right like that's you know, not Good safety thought. protocols right That'd but uh you, know, you have to wipe those desks down even more but uh it would you want to make sure that they feel as if they're not being attacked for the beliefs they hold to uh, especially by the teacher power like because again i come back to that power dynamic and i think both of us part of this conversation is like these aren't conversations that are really happening where you know we're right. not debating these things in our classroom where English teachers like those aren't necessarily gonna be a direct line from our text sure, especially yeah. but so I just feel like that's also important to clarify but I, I guess I approach this a little bit more with like I'm trying to really hold on to that the opposite projection of like the empathy of someone especially given our current political moment if they yeah. walked into the classroom feeling very differently and if I right off the bat said hey, by the way, this, 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 and this, boom, 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 that runs counter their beliefs. What would that relationship be like if that's like the first week of the year, what they hear from me as a teacher? Uh, so I guess that's where I come back to starting with values and mm-hmm. making sure we set norms as a classroom for respectful engagement. And then we build from there. So I you guess know. that would be my difference there. And it, it comes from the proj- the opposite projection again of trying to be empathetic to students walk into the classroom with very different viewpoints and very different contexts than what I might potentially have.
0: Yeah. I think I have never met a teacher who like is okay with any student feeling marginalized or attacked based on, you know what I mean? So like, I, I think.
1: And you were right to bring up that certain quote unquote political conversations can result in students feeling marginalized or attacked in that classroom space and i think there is it's really easy to say like oh i'm gonna gonna do this and not do this and pretend like there's a clean delineation between those two things it gets messy sometimes as a teacher Mm -hmm. and there's also sorry for like diving back in uh there's also that paradox of a courageous classroom and a safe classroom right uh, and you know how I feel about those paradoxes. So, like, I think yeah. that's all <laughs> worth exploring too. Sorry, well, jump back in.
0: No, yeah. I mean, for me, um, so a smaller point and a larger point. So the smaller point is like, I think that there is le- there's there are legitimate differences for for maybe for every teacher or for every school or even the community around around like what we would say like unacceptable line is for like this is this is a valid viewpoint for you to express in class versus not right so like i think even in some of the most rural conservative places like most teachers i have a hard time imagining like allowing a legitimate like super homophobic sort of rant to be considered okay at this point in time um the longer point for me is okay let's 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 take let's there's a lot of examples we could pull from but let's take the confederate imagery and the confederate okay, statue, yeah. the confederate flag as an example, and that's about
1: right? just for context oregon uh where at state i teach has banned that image it's not allowed it's yeah uh, it's, uh, against this law in yeah. terms of in the classroom and things like that
0: yeah so where i taught Tree, it was not allowed either uh kids could not um kids could not wear confederate imagery if i remember if i remember correctly they they could not wear confederate imagery but that was sort of uh a kind of a a controversial thing and 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 a lot of people there was a lot of sort of not a lot but there were some white students and parents who like would roll their eyes and say like oh you know it's just the pc crowd and the real mark tree doesn't really want to do this and blah 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 right but the, the the reality is Mark Tree was, and we've talked about this before, Mark Tree is interesting in that it has 50 percent, about 50 percent white students, 50 percent black students, right? And so if I have a conservative white student who's coming in and who's trying to sell me on all the points of why why we need to keep the General Lee statue up in, in Memphis or whatever it is, right? Or Lee County, the whole county in Arkansas is named yeah. after General Lee, right? Like just, and it happens a lot, extolling the virtues of remembering the Confederacy positively, heritage, not hate, blah, blah, blah. I literally have Black kids in that classroom who's, who are related to people who were enslaved, not that long ago and so when i to me i i very consciously had to you know you have to wait and if and if and (laughs) there's a very real cost Mm -hmm. of there's there's a cost yes there's a cost of saying no you of shutting that conversation down as a teacher and saying no it's completely inappropriate it's it's twenty twenty like this is your facts are wrong, I would of course I would do it in a kind way, but if i'm if I'm back in that classroom where it's where it's a multiracial classroom, very white black, it's extremely vivid and extremely personal for all of the kids
1: mm-hmm.
0: I do think yes, I have to sort of draw the line and say no that's that's not really um that's not really a valid viewpoint. It actually was about hate, if you if and I I would do it kindly, but I would say, look at the article, look at the articles of success of secession. Like, look at this, look at the speeches of the Confederate leaders, where they very explicitly and in great detail outline a white supremacist ideology and they say this is exactly why they are leaving and you want to tell me it's about states rights, a state's right to do what a state's right to enslave people, the state's rights to enslave literally your classmates' relatives. And so in that moment, as a teacher, I can either hurt the conservative kids' feelings a little bit and make them feel wrong, or I can remain neutral and silently or just sort of have all the Black kids watch me allow this to happen. So, So there's a cost either way.
1: Yeah. So let me, I actually love this hypothetical because I think I
0: would not- It was not not hypothetical this uh, this happened. Sorry,
1: (laughs) I was just going to say, not hypothetical. Yeah. I think you and I have both had conversations with students and the research papers. This has been a topic that I've allowed for students to research and explore. Uh, I think it's incredibly uh, relevant and resonant in today's moment. And so just to clarify before I respond, are you talking about a student coming in for like a, a discussion that you brought into the classroom? or a student bringing the conversation itself with their viewpoint like so is this within the context of your classroom discussion relatedly or yeah this had
0: this had happened yeah kids uh, I didn't bring it up um, but kids I had a culture in the class where kids knew that I would engage to a certain extent in current events and um, there had been times when you know confederate statues and stuff had were being removed and and you know kids love the rebel some kids and mark Mark Tree really love the rebel flag and and don't really see it as harmful and so they want to be able to wear it and all, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it just it sort of it, it came up. I I wasn't looking for this particular debate, but it okay. happened multiple times. Yeah.
1: Okay, so uh, I'll give my not feedback because I think there's a lot of sure. different ways to handle this. Yeah. Because uh, I think this is a topic that does intersect, is very relevant, and probably happens uh, pretty frequently. And the question is what that conversation looks like. Uh, so. I think both of us work really hard to establish norms and discussions like within the classroom. And I think when at the very, like the very first week of the school year, that would look different than the last week of the school year, like where you've built trust in the community. You've built how to respectfully communicate your ideas. uh, You've got ways for, you know, how to read your students and how they're doing. Uh, Mm -hmm. in subtle ways as a teacher, much more so at the end of the year than beginning of the year. So I think that looks different depending on that context. I also think if you set the norms and parameters for any discussion, not just this one, and as a teacher, you do the work beforehand to be aware of what could happen in that conversation and Mm -hmm. what points might be raised. That's one thing to do so recklessly. And I'm saying this from my own experience, is that I think sometimes in the past I have said, Hey, I want to be courageous and have this really important conversation. Let's just go for it. Did not do the work in a building the culture and yeah. b really thinking about all the different ways that conversation could go. And then that conversation in very, was one just off the rails. Yeah. And it was just like bombshell after bombshell of things that, and kids sometimes will say things just to say things, yeah. but it wasn't also a safe space for some of the students in that space too. Absolutely. And, uh, The third thing I I think I keep in mind a lot, and I think I, for teachers listening, uh, since we also want to be thinking about like teachers who are going to walk into their classrooms this year. Yeah. Something I really have been the last few years trying to be intentional about is anytime there's a uh, topic or classroom situation uh, that gets brought up, whether that it's within the classroom or not, I try to very quickly follow up with a quick survey. A lot of times anonymous. Hey, here's what happened. How did it do? is there anything you want to give me feedback about how we could have done this better and really listening to students because like and, and doing that before the discussion sometimes, but also afterwards, like uh, with Huckleberry Finn, asking students, Hey, uh, do you, there's a version of Huck Finn that uh, you can purchase and use in your school that contains the N word. There's one yeah. that takes the N word out. Which version would you take and why? And we actually did that. We did a silent discussion on that where they would silently in writing, respond to each other through all the essential questions before anything was said out loud. So it's about setting the norms for an honest discussion and then realizing different students wanted different things. And it wasn't just a clean uh, uh, division based on the white students wanted this back in Arkansas and the black students wanted this. There were strong disagreements about what a teacher should do uh, within different demographic groups. And I think for me, the most important thing for them was to hear from me as a teacher say, you know what, sometimes guys, I don't know what the right thing is to do here. I I, I am listening. I want to hear from you. I want to get your feedback. I want you to know that I am listening to your voice, not just about what we're talking about, but how we're talking about it. And then I want feedback afterwards so that I can be better for future teachers. And I think them seeing me approach any topic with that humility, enlisting their feedback beforehand and after the fact, uh, it, I think regardless of how it goes, that matters too. So I guess absolutely going back to your conversation, I think it matters a lot. Is it something that just spontaneously happened in the classroom? Because then I think my impulse is, hey, that's not what we're talking about today. We are we're gonna stay on topic. I'd be happy to explain why we're staying on topic, but that's what we're doing right like right now. We're talking about the great Gatsby, what have you? Sorry. Yeah. Uh I know Great Gatsby has his own conversations that it yeah. would need to, but the green light. I think if <laughs> if I am the one bringing it into the classroom, there is a it is incumbent upon me to do so empathetically, professionally and to get feedback from other teachers, my administ- like I think when you don't ask for feedback and you don't including from especially from students, mm-hmm. that's arrogant and that can lead to bad outcomes. I and I totally think in agree, going yeah. back to you said trust was the most important thing to you. There is no more Im- that no better way to create trust than to walk up to someone and say, please tell me what you think beforehand and then after the fact. And then yeah. show that you respond to that trust. Like, show that, hey, I've looked through this. This is what you guys said. Here are some quotes that you said. I really appreciate this. I'm writing this down. Like, elevate student voice in the classroom. It's something I'll say over and over again on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, that's part of building trust. So that's how I would respond to that. I'm sure it's probably similar to some things that you would do too. I wasn't trying to imply that you weren't doing those things. But yeah, that's yeah. how I would. That's how I would handle that particular conversation.
0: Totally. And I think I, you know, I think I, I don't have any disagreements with anything you yeah, just said. Sure. I, um, when I, I, I skipped over like three major layers of like classroom culture yeah. uh, to get to the Confederate stuff be, uh, <laughs> example because 100% like if, if you're if you are a new teacher or maybe you're thinking about this for the first time or um, you're kind of wondering sort of how to handle difficult conversations I have sort of two pieces of advice. One is to practice how you one is to practice how you would responsibly and effectively table a conversation that you think could go poorly because it it's like. So there's there's that sort of move, which is you would say something to the effect of like, "Okay, I see that you're bringing up this issue. There's a lot of different opinions about it. People want to talk about it, yada, yada, yada now's not the time or place I need to do some of my own personal preparation in order to make sure that we can have this product that this discussion in a way that's productive and safe and like it's not going to lead to people like being super negative and upset about about because those conversations can happen they have happened in my room and it's it's really not a good feeling and and if they happen it it happens, but you really teachers, all teachers need to to minimize that as as much as possible. So practice, uh, practice how you would sort of responsibly table something in order in the moment in the classroom in order to give yourself sort of more time. And then the other thing is also practice. I literally do this. I I have, I mean, I don't do it much anymore because I've been doing this a while, but earlier on, I would, I would literally practice my response if a student said something super racist or homophobic or like you have to be you have to be ready for that. And you have to know what the words feel like coming out of your mouth. You need like the cadence, the tone, everything about how you respond in that moment, you need to practice how it would uh, look and feel and sound for you so that if it does happen and hopefully it doesn't, but it might, if it does happen, then you are sort of ready. You can say, okay. I'm going to remove you from the classroom right now. You're not ready to engage or whatever the thing is. And, but the, te- yeah, I, the teacher does absolutely have a responsibility to shape, be, be a professional and shape those conversations and shape those discussions in a way that's going to be uh, productive and, and honest and authentic to whatever the classroom space is. Um, I thought, I think I might've had another point, but I forgot it. (laughs) It's
1: okay. I mean, I think both of us are using the word conversation. That's important. Going back to what we talked about earlier. Like these are not one, these are instances that are related to like, we're reading a text. It ties into this issue that gets brought up. We're not just coming out of the blue with things just to like, Hey, let's talk about this crazy controversial debate topic because we, you know, I, Mr. Luther, you, Mr. Mayors, want to talk about it. Right. Like, yeah. They're, they're happening within our curriculum. And we're, we, our goal is to make our curriculum relevant to our students. And a lot of times that means we're reading The Great Gatsby. Hey, let's talk about, you know, it talks about disparities of wealth. What does that look like in today's world? Let's look at some charts and statistics. Let's talk about it. Like that is, we're connecting to today's world. And then they're also, they're conversations. They're not, here's what Mr. Luther thinks about X, Y, and Z. The, our job as teachers is to facilitate these conversations. And these, this is building upon the norms that we set. That we really want students to feel comfortable expressing their ideas and perspectives to do so on their end professionally and respectfully because that's the skill. Turn on the news; doesn't matter what channel. To be honest, right. like you yeah. do not see adults engaging professionally and respectfully with different ideas. Our goal is to create spaces in our classroom where students can do better than yeah. adults are, and Absolutely. to be honest, they do. Like they I do, I, I, <laughs> 100%. yeah, hundred percent. I hundred like, percent they work. do. They are incredible. And I am like humbled by the humility, the willingness to engage with different ideas and perspectives that they disagree with. It happens again and again in our classrooms. That's why we have those. And I just think this circles back to this idea of trust. Like, I think it's really important for parents to hear teachers say, look, the goal as a teacher is to help you engage with different perspectives. And become stronger at expressing your own, because that's an important skill for life, to be a good citizen. And I care about your student immensely. And I don't want to, I'm not going to tell you, like a student, like, oh, what you believe is right or wrong. I want you to feel more confident at expressing your ideas. And I want to build a classroom community that models the skills and conversations Mm -hmm. and values that we need in this world. Yeah. And I say that because I've been privileged to see it happen uh, in yeah. other teachers' classrooms, in my own, uh, and there's no better feeling than when you're just sitting back and you're seeing students respectfully disagree with each other, defend their ideas with evidence that they've oh, yeah. brought into the class. Like, like that's what it's we need in this so, world, it's and fun. that's why we're so yeah. passionate about it. And I think yeah. this whole conversation you and I are having is rooted in this goal of developing citizens not that believe x y and z but citizens who are capable of grappling with the world different Mm -hmm. perspectives about it so -hmm. that they can become citizens to make a positive impact themselves on the world that they're going to inherit and like that's the ultimate goal that we're both working towards regardless if we have some disagreements on how to get there
0: i i yeah i agree i think one um one thing that i would sort of tie back you know the whole confederate imagery thing it yeah. wasn't like frequent but it it, it definitely happened more than mm-hmm. once and i feel like especially like maybe more liberal or progressive people might be because i'm i'm also like very um i take a lot of issue with like the real classist narratives that like are painted on low-income white rural people mm-hmm. um and i don't know there's there's I'm thinking about this example, right. That I use with the Confederate imagery and I, and I, in that, in those conversations and in other conversations with students, I, I do try to steer away from like right and wrong language yeah, because you know what I mean? Just cause it's like, that will, that will put up a real barrier for the kid and be ultimately sort of counterproductive. And so if I, if I, you know, I have had one-on-one conversations with students about, like, look, you are you are making arguments about why you should be able to wear the Confederate flag and the importance of the Confederate uh, imagery. Here is here is how and why these arguments are harmful to people that you care about. Yeah. Right. And that's how. And once I have, sh- once I have sort of respectfully. But directly mm-hmm. made those connect made that specific connection to students of like, look, this is a speech from Andrew Jackson, these are what the articles of, of secession say, mm-hmm. once a student sits down and understands that they, they will say. I didn't know that <laughs> a yeah. lot of times and they'll change their mind because they're kids and they don't want to harm their classmates who are sitting across the room from them and who are black. You know what I mean? Like they don't, they don't, they don't want to do. That. And I think a lot of times it's very easy to be like, Oh, well, um, I don't know, given how offensive it is, the Confederate imagery is, it can be very easy to sort of not have hope that, um kids will change their mind or whatever but they do and they can not all of them do but some of them some of them do i, I don't know i thought that was just important to mention
1: yeah i appreciate you bringing that up and i think that they, they we need to acknowledge there are certain conversations that can be harmful to students and that's partly like building relationships you said like relational classrooms you also need to have as a new teacher or any teacher like be aware of where what stage you're at with your classroom when these conversations are occurring Because if it's early on, you don't have a read on your students, maybe you don't have a read on like how they feel about an issue, like where if you say right or wrong, you say this is wrong. They just heard their teachers say what they believe is wrong, Uh, that that can be really harmful to your relationship. But even more importantly, I'd argue, you want to make sure that your students feel comfortable letting you know, that's why it's important to ask for feedback, too hey, what happened today was really harmful to me. And I'm not saying it's incumbent upon them. Like you're the teacher, your job is to make a safe classroom space. But part of that safe classroom space is building channels of conversation and communication where you can get feedback from students about how they're doing, just as like in, as people in your classroom and in those conversations, especially if you have those courageous conversations where there's gonna be disagreement, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So I think like you're saying, it's really important to be cognizant of how your students are doing. And by the way, this, hey, I'll get back on my bandwagon of class size, right? It's a lot mm-hmm. easier to be uh, aware of how 10 students are doing than 20, than 30, than 40, right? Like the more students, the harder it is to keep your finger on the, oh, yeah. the, the pulse of how your classroom's going. So, yeah. uh, and I think this is like, this is, this is hard because I think we actually started this conversation kind of assuming we were a hundred percent lockstep and we found some points of nuance in how we approach our work. And we're both English teachers who went through a lot of the similar training uh, began our careers in pretty much the same place uh, in terms of the context and we approach it differently. And I think, and I say that as like, I a hundred percent empathetic towards you and respectful of you. I told you in the first conversation, how much I've tried to learn from you and as professional educators, I don't think we have these conversations enough either about our pedagogical or pedagogical approaches to this work, because Mm -hmm. Not having this conversation, in my opinion, isn't an option. And I think they're not having it's important to hear others have this conversation. Why I think this conversation is valuable. And it's important for us to have these conversations ourselves, not just with the two of us, but with people who have different viewpoints than us on this issue. And I think as a professional community of teachers, we need to be better about seeking out the space to have these conversations. It doesn't mean you have to like broadcast them to the world to a podcast do a crazy thing like that. But yeah. uh I think we need to challenge ourselves to really engage with what we're doing because sometimes I think we assume that the way we're doing it, like you brought up is the objective neutral thing. It's fine. And then other ways or changes, that's the thing that's different. And I think that everything we do as a teacher matters. We, we approach this work with urgency, our choices matter, our tone matters, our words matter, our content matters. Therefore, we need to be reflective about it and really consider are we doing what's best for our students at mm. all times and I, I think we do that constantly but i think we need to be intentional and disciplined about doing it as much as possible with as much feedback from as many stakeholders as possible and i think as educators we could all do better at that
0: yeah i agree and it makes me think of like um the Earlier on in our conversation, we talked a little bit about like the, the personal responsibility that teachers have and sort of the, author- the authority that um, comes with the position, right? And I do think that it's interesting to me. This is the, the, the personal nature of these types of decisions, I think, is something that gets lost to me in, in the overall conversation, right? Like you look at like, All this backlash about critical race theory and people sort of going to school boards and 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 being really upset and a lot of that is sort of they they are they are reacting from this emotional projection of what their own educational experience is. Yeah, same. Um, (laughs) They are reacting to that. um, Yeah, and they. Folks don't understand the level of nuance and reflection, uh, the level of nuance and reflection and like really complex decision making, I think, that goes on at, the, at this level. Um,
1: but to advocate yeah. for folks, I don't think yeah. we as teachers and as a professional community are, maybe not intentionally so, we're not transparent yeah. enough yeah. about the process and nuance that goes into that decision-making. So I right.
0: think uh, that's, where that's That's why we're okay. talking.
1: I, I, yeah. So I think that's where <laughs> uh, it's really important that not just here's my curriculum, but here's my right. thought process about what we're doing. And by the way, my door is always open. I really actually, I think by being intentionally transparent and open to feedback, not just with students, but with families, guardians, community, like on the front end, it builds trust that avoids the situation yeah. three months into the year where totally. someone feels like oh this teacher's doing this crazy thing and I've no, and they don't even want any feedback it's like well if you didn't ask for feedback i understand why they assume that that's the case
0: sorry yeah. to cut you off that was no, no no you're good i think that's i think that's a good place to end it this is this is um you know part i think this is the start of many conversations like this, because you're right. We don't have, we don't have a lot of these conversations. And so hopefully folks got something out of it.
1: Yeah. Uh, hopefully you heard two people who disagreed yeah. probably in a way they weren't expecting to uh, hopefully modeling the respect that we have for each other. Uh, but I appreciate this because it pushed my thinking. I think that's Same. part of the goal of engaging with different perspectives. It makes you think about your own practices and choices as a teacher, but beyond that. And I really appreciate uh the ideas you push because they push my thinking a lot. All right.
0: Um, all right well, thanks everyone. Reach out, keep subscribed, listen, do all the things we're super amateur podcasters, but hopefully, hopefully it's going well. So thanks for listening. Take care.